Signs in Southland, Sunday, November 27th. It is the weekend after Thanksgiving. So let's start at the top with the football program. Mr. Purdy, do you want to review what happened in Athens this weekend? Well, believe it or not, we scored first. We scored a touchdown first. We were the first team to score a touchdown against Georgia in the first quarter in a long time. Um, it was more than 10 games. I forgot the exact number of games, but it was a significant number of games. Um, so broke that. It was a nice 11-play drive, and we were up 7 nothing. And it was the first time we put up points against Georgia in over 1,000 days, um, which I credit to them deciding to not play us in 2020, so that's their fault. It's not our fault. Um and then held them defensively. The secondary played really well in the first half, like legitimately held them down and they weren't getting big plays off. Um, I think Georgia came out a little sluggish, honestly. Um, and then we held them to some field goals. Eventually they got their, they eventually they got their game together and they became the Georgia that they were and did, did, did the business that we thought they were going to do. Um, we did cover though. We got two touchdowns. We got the 14, 37, 14 loss, I believe was the final score. Um, so, all in all, I, I in terms of was this a bad day? I think the answer is no. Like, <laughs> all, all things considered, in terms of we're on the interim coach, we're on the third string quarterback. Guys were going down in the first quarter. Like, I I would take I will take this as progress from last year when the inter- when it matched perfectly to no hope and no, there was no hope on the football field on Saturday. We had a smattering of hope because things have been kind of going our way a little bit and after beating North Carolina. And I think the proper amount of good things happened on the field, considering we were playing one of the best teams to probably ever, ever be put together in college football. No, one note that's before fair. you go. One note before you go, Jake. Under no circumstances, to, to borrow a drill tweet, uh, you, under no circumstances, do not have to end it to that team. I'm just saying, you don't. <laughs> They born with a silver spoon, <laughs> born on third base, thinks they thinks they hit a triple. Use whatever metaphor you want. Um, under no circumstances do you have to hand them uh, any sort of compliment. But I respect your opinion, Mr. Grant. Please free me from my dissension prison. Yeah, um, this is going to be a theme of this episode because I. Spoiler alert: We recorded the rest of this waiting to see if any football news would break during the process because this is a we'll long get process there. for us. We'll get there. We'll get there. Um, I watched the first half of this on a train, which Jack and Nakshay have heard me say three times now. So uh, enjoy. Anyways, watched the first half of this on the train, got excited, um, sat down where I was going, uh, actually met up uh, with Drew Gordon, who's from Rumble Seat Guide too. But um, we watched the second half of this, and I will say the first half was more fun And I think that UGA did a fine job making adjustments and also capitalizing on a couple catastrophic plays. I think um, whether it's the punt uh, or uh, a couple other opportunities that UGA got very, very, very close uh, to the end zone definitely flavored this game uh, slightly different than it it probably would have been. Otherwise, uh, I, I think that's a little bit heartening, a little bit frustrating. But at the end of the day, it's not like this came down to a, a one-score game. Uh, so I think that's something that you kind of just go, hey, you know, I, I hate admitting that they're a great team, but they're a great team. They capitalized on some pretty clutch errors, but this this is a tech team that actually stopped them a couple times this year and uh, looked uh, mildly competent doing that despite all the injuries, uh, particularly at uh, the, the quarterback position. Um, I, I think 
commendable um Zach Gibson and, and Tyshawn Pumachan's uh performances these 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 last two weeks would have been would have been nice to see something else in the uh in the Virginia game could have been a, a bowl season for tech but ifs and nuts right you, you can't go back and, and rewrite something that happened a month ago uh, again, I will like to refer both of you to my previous comment that you have to hand the team born with the silver spoon in their mouth, literally nothing. However, let's talk a little bit. Uh, you brought up a good point about just sort of wrapping up their season and sort of what this effort means, right? What this result means. And it does actually mean a lot as we look forward to the off season, as you look forward to changes in the staff. So Mr. Grant, set the table for me. What was the fallout from this game on the well, coach search side? Uh, for, for those who listened last week, um, it seemed like a very emotional upswell uh, in terms of the pro uh, hiring Brent Key uh, movement, if you will. Um, I don't think that subsided. Uh, if it anything, slowed down. If if Jack. Uh, social media guru that he has been the past uh, few weeks uh, decided to pay attention to the likes that were coming in on Twitter uh, for Joey's battling Chadwell and key, why they should be hired pieces. Uh, I got several texts, by the way, that it was like, this person seems confused. And I'm like, no, that's the point. There's, you know, there's two options. Um, but uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of Twitter and Facebook momentum, at least in terms of interaction uh, with, with the pieces for, um, for Brent Key, um, based on what is known, it doesn't sound like those are the two leading options right now. Um, again, all this is grapeviney type stuff. Um, yeah, uh, I, I, that's about that's about what I got. It, it's been a really tight-lipped search. Um, obviously, um, anyone who's plugged in at all to Twitter has seen from a variety of sources that Willie Fritz seems to be a front runner. But uh, again, we we started recording the podcast. Uh, about an hour and a half ago to do the rest of it. And in then I have just become more uncertain about the current progression of the post-game um, updates rather than more certain. So this could go out tomorrow, uh, Monday morning, and, uh, uh, you know, they could they could be announcing that, uh, you know, Robo Heisman is taking over. It's, it's anyone's guess, it seems, still. Yeah, I think it's important to do the whole the, the split zone do the PAPN coach season bit where we name the we note the time and date. This is Sunday, November twenty seventh at nine, just about nine thirty p.m. Uh, nine twenty six to be specific, in case something breaks in the next four minutes before we get to a milestone. Right now, here's the situation as as we see it, based on reporting from the AJC and the Athletic, um, and I also believe Football Scoop. Um, Bill O'Brien, Jamie Chadwell, and Brent Key were all were all names that were floated for this job and were in the mix. Willie Fritz, based on reporting from the AJC, from our friend Ken Segura, is the leader in the clubhouse. Uh, there was a earlier report that had to be pulled back um, that Fritz was offered the job and accepted it, um, but it has now been downgraded to a, it's not a done deal, but all signs point to. Uh, just to talk about Willie Fritz, since I don't think there was a coach profile on him um, from our friends Keeper and Robert. Uh, he is similar to Jamie Chadwell in terms of offensive profile and the concept of being a program builder. Uh, he was FCS runner-up twice with Sam Houston State, won a Sun Belt title with Georgia Southern, 
and basically picked them back up after, I believe, the ill-fated Brian Van Gorder era. Uh, this is quoting Robert's piece from earlier today. Uh, in our database of FBS coaches spanning 2000 2021, we evaluate every coach by looking at a team's average expected points per play in the years before the coach arrived and then during the tenure. Out of 370 coaching head coaching tenures, Willie Fritz's Georgia Southern stop ranks 11th and his two-lane tenure ranked 57th before this season metrics were included. He inclu executed a masterful turnaround of Tulane's program and then an incredible one-season turnaround from 2021 to 2022, end hmm. quote. So I wonder getting... what changed there. <laughs> that, is uh. the, that is the smoking gun, for lack of a better term. 2021's offensive coordinator at Tulane, a friend we know very well in Chip Long, uh, and he was replaced with longtime Central Missouri head coach Jim Smoda. And now Tulane has a very functional offense. The story there, you know, kind of writes itself for the most part. But that's where you're getting in Willie Fritz. You're getting a program builder. You're getting a, a guy that's proven at that program building aspect, both at Georgia Southern at Sam Houston State at Tulane, um, and he runs an offense that many of us would consider a spiritual cousin, uh, like a couple of times removed of of Paul Johnson's flexbone option, wouldn't you say? So, very familiar setup uh, for the most part. Mr. Rand, I'll go to you first. When we were talking about this news earlier today, as things have broken, as things have gotten fluid, what was your first take on this prospective hire? If it's Fritz, I like his past uh, like his past work. Tulane's a really tough place to to make a winner. That being said, um, it does concern me that uh, you know he's been around the block, right? I, I don't want to hand out a seven-year contract to somebody who may not want to be here uh, for seven years. Granted, I don't know what that that looks like for him, but in terms of just the success he's had being a, a, a high-floor guy, um, last year's 2-10 and 10 season, notwithstanding due to chip hurricanes, long. hurricanes, chip long, and, you know, close game, uh, bad luck type stuff. Um, you know, you know, you know, <laughs> two and 10 to 10 and two is, is, quite a quite a whiplash but uh it, it, in terms of the fritz um resume yeah he's got no power five experience but I, I don't think that's necessarily uh a deal breaker for myself and um yeah not to not to harp on our sitting oc too much but that seems to be Good a pretty block. pretty pretty obvious problem there so um you know it if you're gonna hire a new guy he should get the leeway to bring in his own staff um you know i at this point I just want to know who the next coach is going to be, whether that's Brent Key, whether that's Willie Fritz, whether that's you, dear listener. Um, I would like the ride to stop spinning. Um, it, <laughs> it's getting to the point of, and this is my take on recruiting, love that you know they're getting recruited to come to Georgia Tech, but it seems like it's also fluid until you see them out there with, with a GT on their helmet. This is that for me, but with a GT logo on the chest, I am just, I'll get behind whoever it is. Like that, that's just who I am, right? That's who we are. That's what a fan base should do. Um, but, you know, just tell me why somebody's the right fit and I'm ready for, ready for it to be known who that is. Mr. Purdy, what you got for me on Willie Fritz? 
I'll t- I mean, I'll take it. I mean, I, I think we, I mean, I was in the boat of please go get Chadwell and do it as soon as humanly possible boat um, as well. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, there's, I mean, there's similarities between the two guys that we've seen. So it's not, I mean, we're not getting an exact copy of it, um, but we're getting something um, regardless of the fact. So um, I, I think there's something about uh, the, I mean, people did bring up like that he, Chadwell, that, that, uh, Sorry, for it's a sixty-two, and it's like, wait, like, and, and you're kind of old to do a whole uh, long-term thing, uh, which I would say we'll cross that bridge when we get there, if this ends up being the case as well. Um, so I'm not worried about that. Um, and then, I mean, beyond that, I mean, I didn't really watch Tulane. Um, I did. Maybe I think the the point about that they had like the hurricane last year um, is kind of critical to note why their record was so bad. Um, they, they, that was, that was a, that's the, that's the kind of season you just throw away immediately and just don't even worry about it. Like it just don't even, I wouldn't even count that against his record. Um, but then in the context of they had that and they did really well this year, I think that's very much, that's a promising sign. Um, and it's, it, he covers those steps we need. We need someone who's built programs, has gone up to another level, built a program, gone up to another level, built a program, built a program. So, and that's, that's where we are now. We, I mean, even though the Brent key part has been functional, um, there's still, I mean, we cleaned up some periphery items, but that's still a lot of Collins stuff left in the building. Um, just like what he built, it's still there. It's not fully gone. Yeah. Just by changing one guy's job didn't, didn't change the reality of what was inside that building and who was there. Um, and there is still a lot of things that need to get cleaned up and reset. Um, and getting someone new that's not Brent key, I think is the way this has to go in order to do that to the fullest extent, uh, and, and well, um, that said, if key can do it, cool. Um, and that might that might be cheaper too, for all we know. Um, if it's cheaper and that helps us with the debt problem, that's also great. Um, so it, 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 I mean, yeah, it's still the carousel is still very much in action. So as it, all this is hypothetical, still, I mean, I, I cannot wait. Um, I can't wait for something to be set in stone. I think I want to get one word in on Key. He seems like a guy who raises the floor, but I just have no idea what that ceiling would be. Right. That, that, and that, as, that's the problem here. Yeah. Yeah. As, we, need as know, it, we need to know what a ceiling, we need to know that the, uh, whoever we get has a high enough floor to make it happen. Um, and also having a theoretical, pretty high ceiling. And we don't know what the theoretical high ceiling of key is. Yeah. And, and uh, I think the thing like, like key makes me feel the, like I, I have two degrees from Georgia tech. Like I, I resonate with the like, I can feel that he likes this place in a way that strikes me as genuine. I mean, he wouldn't be back for a fourth time if he didn't, he, he, he could be anywhere. He was at Alabama coaching OL, you know, like that's, that, that, that is a, a door that will, or a key that will open any door, uh, you know, and, and he's here and I can tell that he loves the place a lot. I just don't know how much it translates to the actual playing of the football, the scheming, and then the offensive line just being inconsistent the last few years. So at this point, like I said, if it's key, then like, I, I know he's going to put his full heart into it. I can, I can see that. Um, and, and you know, that, that, that's a good thing. That's, that's a great thing for the program is consistency and, and, and care and, and, and all that great stuff at this point. I just don't know who it's going to be and I'm tired. And you know, in, in February, when they introduce whoever it is at a basketball game, I'll stand up and clap and that'll be great. And you know, in September, the first home game, you know, I'll be there in my seat and, and yelling, but it's just, it's hard to prognosticate when it seems like no one really knows much of anything. And as soon as somebody does, everything gets flipped on its head 
And maybe that means I need to lock off from Twitter for like a week. <laughs> There's too much posting, like capital P posting. I think I said this same thing literally last week, but like the internet is just such a mistake. One of the one of the most beautiful thing about sports, and, and I hate being told this as a sports fan, is like one of the most beautiful things, is it like, it's kind of an emotional thing, right? It's, it's something you have a, a connection with, you want to feel the good vibes, right? And you know what, dang it, like that, the the weird questioning what's gonna happen is not the good vibes, but the beating UI, UNC or like hit and like crying on the field, that is the good vibes, right? And, and you know, I, I think part of it, part of us, me, all of us, after that UNC game, just due to the nature of the offseason, it is going to be nine months until you feel the vibes again. And until then, it's just going to be question mark. We'll see what happens, right? I think we said this a lot in the run-up to that 2019 season two, right? Everything is sort of a question mark, like you said, until they show up on the field on Labor Day in Mercedes-Benz Stadium to play a conference game versus Louisville. Uh, I've spilled too much ink on my thoughts about that that series. That's the podcast for another day. But but you're right. Like we won't really know what this team looks like. Both, I mean, in literal roster construction and staff construction and what have you, right? Especially in the roster construction part. Regardless of who gets hired, they're going to want to bring some guys in via the transfer portal. Maybe we're going to lose some too. guys. To, Coaches, yeah, coaches too. We are most likely going to lose talent to the transfer portal too. Jeff Sims, for example, declared for the transfer portal portal ugh, earlier today. So it's just going to be a not a completely different team. Um, I haven't actually looked at who's who's leaving senior graduation wise. Um, it, it won't be a completely different team, but it will look different. It will function different. It will sound different, um, and. At the end of the day, I think after the sort of malaise of the last two and a half years, almost maybe almost three years, that sort of change, regardless of what it looks like, will be a good thing. Yeah. Yeah, that we're we're at that point. I mean, we got we went so low that it's pretty much just up from here. That that, that the bar is literally sitting it. on the top of Earth's mantle. The Brent Key, I mean, the Brent Key era, I mean, two ranked wins is, will do you good anywhere outside of like Bama, where you play a ranked team every waking hour of your life. But I mean, yeah, I, I think if you put Brent Key in another program, it's like, okay, here's your interim. Regardless of who was before, I don't, I don't think it would have been as overwhelming a positive response because it was just so dire here so quickly and for so long. Um, and just yeah. any thoughts of happiness around this football program were so needed. Um, and I understand, like, I we all, we, all, we all had those when we beat Pitt and was like, wait a second. Okay, we can play the game. We can play it well um, and take advantage of other teams' mistakes and not be the one just finding a way to make more mistakes and compound on mistakes. Um, so, yeah, I think the, the, the emotion behind Key is completely legitimate and I think deserved on his part as well. He in some ways did save this team from something worse. I don't know what it wanted. I don't want to know what it, what it could have been, but it, it, there was a path and we didn't take it. 
Yeah, I I think something that just kind of keeps rattling around in my head too is like, would we feel the same way about Brent Key if his diploma did not say Georgia Tech? That is a really good point. And I think that speaks a lot to why I think some of the smoke is there, right? I think some people really like the idea of having an alum be the head coach and guide the program, right? And I I think we saw that in sort of the, we saw that at a certain level in the last, I don't know if you can call it an era of the athletic program too, but Eileen and Todd, both, both big tech, both big tech folks. And honestly, it's, it's one of the things that I reacted to and resonated with when Angel Cabrera was named president. Like it was like, oh, he's a tech guy. He's got tech kids. Like he gets it. Oh, Andre Dickens is running for mayor. Oh, he's a tech guy. He's on our board. Wow. Like for better or for worse, it's something that like, you know, Get, it's a brainworm. It gets in your head. It, it, it God, it, brainworm is it's in the one way of putting it. But it, I, I think it's context dependent, right? Uh, being a tech grad and understanding the needs of a massive educate higher educational institute, higher education institution. Bleh, English is hard. Um, and, and how that operates, I think that context applies. But it is less applicable in sort of your, I think in your main big money um, college athletics context, right? Because the game works, the, the game both on the field and off the field in football specifically works such a specific way. The machine, the gears turn in such, in this very, a almost hedonistic capitalist to use very philosophical words like way that it, it takes an entirely different type of person to really succeed at that. That is maybe not the, uh, not the profile that a tech person would fit. If that makes sense. I'll let that stand. Thank you for giving me permission to have an opinion. I appreciate it. Uh, Mr. Purdy, you get the last word on football and its ongoing saga. Uh, man, last word. Let's let's be patient. Even continue to be patient. I mean, we're not as the fan base. We don't. We aren't going to make the massive sway. I mean, there was word that people wanted to go outside Callaway Plaza and protest, which like, good Lord, people. Don't, this don't is do not that. Knoxville. However, the <laughs> the idea of a uh, of a coach getting <laughs> Shiano'd uh, at any Georgia institution Tech? in well, no, at any institution in this day and age, something like that happening again. That also that, that was, was only like five years ago. That was five years ago, like yesterday. Huh. Which hey, think about hey, that. Hey, hey, alignment. Georgia Tech caring enough to have a giant protest about something that would that would really ruffle some feathers in 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 national perception of Georgia Tech. But hey, we're passionate people. There there may not be the giant state school land grant. You know, everybody and their brother uh, in the entire state is is a fan type thing. But we're passionate people. Like, but eh. Also, don't protest Callaway. But like, also, we care a lot. So yeah, ha ha ha. I, I'm, I don't know. Where I'm, I'm going condoning this. this but I me. don't expect. I, I'm condoning this, but I don't want you to do it. Is what I'm hearing. <laughs> yeah. To sure. save you, let's move on. 
Mr. Grant, tell me about this first volleyball game versus Pitt. Oh, dear. Well, it started while I was on a train because I was in Chicago. So I didn't watch the first set, but I did watch the other sets. Uh, and it is oddly reminiscent, I would say, uh, of maybe not exactly how Louisville played out uh, a couple weeks ago. But the the feeling I had at the end uh, was remarkably, uh, remarkably similar because it's another opportunity that Georgia Tech had uh, to to take a win against a big team. Uh, and that's something that I think we see played out pretty, uh, pretty accurately in the selection show, which we'll talk about a little bit. Uh, or in a little bit, I should say. Uh, for those that don't know, the first game Akshay is referencing is the Pitt uh, versus Georgia Tech game, uh, much like the first matchup from homecoming weekend that took place uh, in Pitt's basketball gym. So a uh, big environment, uh, about 3,500, 3,600, I believe, uh, fans were in the building. So that's really great to see um, this happening, you know, up and up and down the conference for uh for supporting volleyball, but in the end, Georgia Tech did fall three sets to two. Uh, they were uh, dispatched, we'll say, in the first set, 25-21, uh, pretty close. Uh, took two straight sets. Uh, fourth set fell 25-22, and then uh, fell in extras in the fifth set, 19-17. Again, all of these are really heartening results. Uh, uh, two, three, four, well, two's the minimum, but two, two to four points is... Jack, dare I say this, Akshay, dare I say this, a coin flip of a set. Um, so, yeah, Georgia Tech uh, came up heads twice and tails three times uh, on the weekend. Before we get into stats, any other high-level stuff, uh, Jack, Akshay, you want to mention? I would generally agree on the coin flip nature of the game. We were very sadly up 10-5 in that fifth set. Mm -hmm. Like, we were, we had doubled them and just needed five points. Like, we just literally needed to score half as many as they would ish to get it done um and just barely didn't I mean, both teams had the kinds both teams anytime they were down they found the run when they needed to find the run basically and that was that happened in every set um this tech came back in a set they shouldn't have won Pitt came back in a set they shouldn't have won so mm -hmm. it went back and forth properly go go over the stats real quick before we uh before we move on to the last game of the regular season yeah, for sure. Um, just going around the horn. Tech was on the road. Uh, makes it easy because they're at the top of the box uh, box sheet, box score. I don't know why I struggled with that. Um, Bianca Bertolino quietly had, I think, Jack uh, Akshay. This was probably her best best game of the year. She had 12 kills on uh, 25 attack. Only one error. That's 440. That's about as good uh, as you're going to see anyone do on any given day. Um, Tamara uh, Otene had 12 kills as well, but that was on 34 attacks with seven errors, so not too efficient there. Meanwhile, uh, Breland Morissette Really a career day for her. Uh, 20 kills on 31 uh, for a 581. Meanwhile, Julia Bergman was, as always, the focal point of the attack. I think it's very interesting seeing these go five sets because we see a lot of people with a lot of gouty numbers, but uh, Breland and Bianca have a day. That was that was quite a great uh, great thing to see. And I think, you know, have, having people that can take the load off for for Julia really, really translates into, you know, you, you make that fit set, which is not something we saw the first time around against a, a great team uh, in Pitt and they'll be hosting. So uh, more props to them. Before we get to that FSU game, I just wanted to point out that I just noticed that Husker Geek has advanced box scores for, uh, for all of these games, Would you which know I am now box scores in my recap of this game where 
I figure we figured out that Bertolino was actually the player of the game and not Breland Morissette because just from her digging alone in defense, she basically saved us and had a WPA just out the door from everybody else on the floor, surely because of her defense and offensively efficient. But yeah, see, I need to. Yeah, I need to read our site more often is what it sounds like. But from a like high level team perspective, um, your difference. So your edge, right? Your your edge in the in the game was probably on service points. Pitt was five percent better, like five percentage points better than Tech there. Um, service error percentage, Tech was three percent worse, three percentage points worse there. Um, and it also looks like error percentage, Tech was two percentage points worse there. Uh, but they were they out hit Pitt on the on the entire game. It was a point. Two six eight to point two five seven, so a small margin, but you know, um, notable nonetheless. I can't remember through what set I remember hearing this, but I did hear it like with my own ears. Hearing Tech had not committed a service error all night, uh, the the commentators noted, and then immediately on the I think the two plays after that, uh, they committed a service error. Tech wound up with 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 six on the evening. Uh, that that is a little bit tough when when Pitt's only committing three. That's in a match that goes to the fifth set, win by two, which is something we've seen this team do a lot up up in Pittsburgh. They really play them tight up there. That's like the difference in the match. Like those those three points. That's that's pretty crucial. Um, it is worth noting uh, that both Tech and Pitt had pretty similar, uh, similarly consistent side out percentage. Um, that's uh, that's good to see. Attacks were pretty consistent across the board. Honestly, the fourth set was a bit of a black eye for both teams, uh, both committing seven uh, seven errors. Uh, so really, it was a weird set. Re- really, pretty. I'd say pretty consistent uh, between what we saw between the two teams, but Pitt's really had a knack for pulling games like this out this year. When and I think it's been a theme uh, of the last three months for us, where Georgia Tech hasn't necessarily always done that. But hey, uh, they challenge themselves with the schedule in and out of conference this year. And dare I say, one of my favorite sports memes: they're the best seven-loss team in the country right now. <laughs> I, Mr. I saw you cringe, Akshay. <laughs> I've been doing that a lot. Uh, Mr. Purdy, tell me about this game versus Florida State to end the regular season, which you were on at Media Row for. It was a very easy game. Uh, nothing. I, I, there's no, there was not much significant that happened in terms of like what we learned about the team at all. Um, the significant part was that Bergman finished her. She got. She's at her final career numbers, which is the big. Which is the big stuff there. Um, she's at 515 in the regular season. She got to 500 at the pit game. Um, and now the 15 more puts her at ninth most in program history. 17. Oh, that's for a single season. Uh, she's at seven. The FSU game crossed the 1700 boundary. So she's finishing at 1708 for sixth in tech history. Uh, and did very well. Uh, Aaron Moss was by far a player of the game though. Like it, our offense was just running through the middle initially. Um, Julia eventually led the team in kills per usual, but she kind of needed to clean up in the third set when it was getting a little tough. Um, but second set tech showed up and just wiped the floor. And I was glad to know that that match was going to take less than 90 minutes as they usually do in O'Keefe. Yeah. One thing I do want to note, um, Pittsburgh, we talked about some of the differences of them just being able to put sets and, and matches away. They had 13 players see the floor in this game. I feel like that's worth 
worth noting before we get too far. Just a really, well, really deep program, and a lot of these great programs are super deep. Like that's I, that's pretty yeah, defining. That's a good point. I'll, I'll expound. I'll expound on that. Most of the teams we played dove into the bench a lot. We were every team we played that was good had a bench that they would dip into at any point. They felt like they needed to. Um, and this was the case last year with Tech, where there wasn't much of di- bench dipping at all. Um, especially yeah. near the end. Um, it was more up front. Um, in the pit game, the idea was to put... Um, oh, shoot, I'm forgetting names already. Uh, Leia Hart, I think it was... Nicole Drunick would come in, um, and Laura Fisher, who had height, and so the idea was to get yep. the blocks down and just have better... Just literally space the... Just cover... Get more coverage on the floor. Um, and that semi-worked. Um, it's never been a flawless plan. Um, the idea of putting... Uh, Elizabeth Patterson in to spot service kind of faded away as well, um, which is where we had that Kaylor Kaiser role last year. So um, the spot stuff just hasn't it just hasn't worked as well. I mean, we lose points on that. Um, and when we had as tough of an end of its schedule, it's just like we had to win. And so you just you throw the best people out there and make it happen. Um, Leah Harper came in and just in the first set against FSU, and she was the only bench player to even show up. I mean, she's on the box score. I don't know if she actually played a point. Um, so even against FSU at the end, where it's just we'd still want to win, but yeah, this team is Kali has has shown that the rotations don't, are going to come often, and when they do, it'll be very minimal. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And that's that's really been a pretty typical Kali um, a Kali calling card. Really, <laughs> it's funny how much Ooh, don't don't do the alliteration. I I feel so like. I feel like I should have this more diverse points here, but women's basketball, volleyball, and men's basketball have all been traditionally teams that play pretty short benches. Obviously that's going to be a little bit different this year for, for the basketball teams, but it's, you know, I I think that's something that makes a difference between a program. That's maybe the elite of the elite and, and the ones that are just very consistent and and pretty good. Cause like, you know, uh, among those three teams, uh, women's basketball has made the tournament two years in a row pending the results this year men's basketball's made it once and then volleyball's three three seasons in a row as well so it's not like they're bad teams it's just man would be nice to have a little bit more depth i think it's tiers right like they are Mm -hmm. on the precipice of hitting that next tier but getting there finding that next gear to get to that tier lots of rhymes here requires depth both generated both from recruiting and now with also the transfer portal as well so close they're so close actually I, I need you to do the rest of this podcast in Limerick. Otherwise, I'll be very disappointed. Um, Absolutely that being, not. That being said, I feel like, uh, you know, we've been doing this podcast, actually, and myself quite quite some time now. Um, and and there's, there was a time where pulling off the, hey, we can be that, you know, third, fourth, fifth best team in the ACC, perfectly satisfying, especially considering where we were. And, you know, that's a good place to be, but it, it would be nice to maybe turn the corner someday. But who knows? I would like to be tied for second next year. Hey, that's a good goal. That's a good goal. They, yeah, I, I think it, this kind of flows into our discussion about what's next for, for Tech in terms of the tournament. We'll get to that in a second. But I think just summing up the season in general, they played a very tough schedule, but I find the result that 20 and seven mark this uh, five seed in the Texas side of the bracket or Texas quadrant of the bracket, very frustrating. 
because and we were talking about this before we started recording the lack of a hosting rights here feels like a problem or a result of Texone doing because they had the games on the schedule, especially late on. They had their games on the schedule and the performances late on to do it. And they just could not finish versus Louisville and could not finish versus Pitt. When you're prognosticating the schedule, I would have to go back to see exactly what we said. But just thinking about the teams that were on the schedule, right? BYU, Ohio State, Louisville twice, Pitt twice. Um, Trying to think if there's any others that uh, jumped out at me, kind of like those six. But among those six, you you cannot reasonably expect to win all of them. I don't even think it's all that reasonable to win half of them, quite honestly. I I figured we were going to be exiting the season with somewhere between five and seven losses. So in terms of expectations, this is pretty pretty on the nose, right? Like we didn't look outmatched in any of those games. And, and Jack's kind of been great at at least keeping me honest about this of just like, hey, a lot of these things are like coin flip things. A point or two go a different way. And you know, that the five setter turns out different for Pitt or turns out different for Louisville. We're outright disappointing were the Miami match and the Arkansas mm-hmm. match. Yep. The the Arkansas match came out of nowhere, I think. Yeah. Arkansas showed they were, yeah. No one knew they were good. So, I mean, I don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. blame uh, the team for maybe being a little overwhelmed in that department. But still, like, you should, you play to win. Like, get, you prepare as well as you can. Um, I asked Kelly, like, are there trap games in this ACC schedule? And she's like, we can't assume any of this. Like, we have to play like we need to win every single one of them. And they clearly did. Um, so, I got it. They're all trap gotta, games. I got a live react this. I just did a thread of the like the volleyball selection show, you know, talking about you know our, our assignment, and that was quick. And and I, I'm gonna put this take out there because I don't think I've said it yet. This volleyball being in the Texas quarter and potentially playing them in the third round if we make it that far is exactly like what baseball got in being sent to Tennessee. So if you are not familiar with base or with volleyball. React similarly to how you felt when baseball uh, got sent to Tennessee uh, for 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 that regional or or to Nashville the year before because uh, it's very very similar vibes at least in in my head. Anyways, I put this whole long thread together and somebody replied at the end, "What? <laughs> what, what, what you, you couldn't mean, hear what? in the background there as I was muted was just me groaning uh, groaning loudly at the uh, at the thought of a third Georgia Tech team in the last." what two three years um that it goes that that flows into the path of the one seed um or i guess in the case of that year in vanderbilt the two seed just oh that is it's like that is frustrating actually it's like it, the fourth door detecting because volleyball did this last year too anyway uh, i mean that's fair, but I think that felt a little bit different because we got to host. We got, we got and... far enough to where it was deserved. Like it wasn't. Yeah. We didn't get screwed around on that one. Yeah, that was that was the elite eight. Like at that point, you're gonna face one of the yeah, top eight teams. <laughs> like, dang, you mean you mean we didn't get Mercer in the elite eight? Dang, <laughs> no offense, Mercer. Um, but uh, yeah, no. I, I again, the the volleyball season was not. It's not bad. They're they're still play. They're playing for a championship starting like Friday. Like this is this is an exciting time of year. It shouldn't be you know something that we want uh, that we want you all to not 
feel excited about it because you know what georgia tech matches up uh against wright state against marquette texas is scary but with how with how tech has played louisville uh who uh, for for the context on the rest of the ACC, there are four other teams that made it. Florida State and Miami uh, will be playing in the tournament. Uh, Pitt and Louisville will be hosting. Uh, all of this is pretty expected. It's really just that tech will they or won't they host in the opening two rounds being being the bit, big difference there. But that being said, this is a Georgia Tech team that has taken a phenomenal Louisville team uh, to five sets, a phenomenal pit team to five sets. And and both of those teams to four sets in the other games they played, they beat BYU, which is a really quality program. So at the end of the day, they can throw it down with anyone. And quite frankly, they have not been lucky in these big games this year. And they're kind of due. So I'm not saying, you know, they're automatically going to win, but they, they can play with them and, and you never really know. That's why they play the games, right? That's why they play the games. No, all of these games are played on spreadsheets. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, moving on, you, you gave me a nice little segue to wait, the, wait, talking hold on. about the actual. What? You mean the games aren't played on paper? <laughs> Boo! Got him! Got him! I got him! I've been sitting on that forever. There we go. Gameonpaper.com for all your football scores. There you go. Disgusting. Let's talk about the actual regional slate for Georgia Tech. Now, Georgia Tech will play play Wright State in the Marquette Regional on Thursday at 5 p.m. I assume that's Eastern, Jack. Yes. Uh, and that the winner of that will play the winner of Marquette and Ball State uh, on Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern. So let's start at the bottom and talk about these opponents. Uh, we'll use our friend uh, and colleague Husker Geeks rankings to talk about these teams. Ball State finished as the MAC tournament runner-up, they were given an at-large bid. They are ranked 63rd in Husker Geeks Viper rankings. Wright State is 60th. They won the Horizon. Georgia Tech, obviously, we know, third place in the ACC, 13th in the Viper rankings. And Marquette, as the four seed and the host, finished 18th in the Viper regular season rankings. Let's start with talking about our opponent, Wright State. Uh, Wright State, their strength of record was 36 in the nation. They finished Atlanta's favorites record, 28 and three. They did not play a <laughs> like a, a quadrant one team at, at all this uh, at all this year. They were 10 and three versus quadrant two, um, 14 and 0 versus quadrant three, and four and 0 versus quadrant four. So just to get an idea of what that schedule looked like. Um, Per a Husker Geek, Husker Geek does these two tests called the expanded and the core test. Um, uh, I, I haven't looked exactly into the methodology, so I can't comment specifically on what they mean. Um, but Wright State, at least per these metrics uh, that I'm looking at on my monitor right now, they were probably, if they had not won the, uh, the Horizon, at least based on what Huster Geek is saying, they are probably not in this tournament. I will say they are 51st in the country in adjusted RPI, which for a auto bid mid-major champion type dealio, not the worst, uh, not the worst RPI auto bid that you can get. Criteria for the committee. So, yeah. Um, in terms of something that just like jumped right out at me on the, uh, on just their nitty gritty, they played a game against Drake, uh, Drake being a Missouri Valley school that 5,000 people were at, which is kind of bonkers. 
uh, Drake versus Wright State volleyball, drawing five thousand people. But more power to him, I guess. Um, in terms of other names per se that that, that jump out, um, they lost a five setter to Iowa. Uh, they did play Dayton twice, two wins. Um, Iowa State again, uh, another Power Five opponent. That was a four set loss. But in the in the Horizon League schedule. They really, they really ran this league into a wood chipper. Uh, I'm pretty sure they were, they were undefeated. Yeah, they were undefeated in conference play, including the, uh, including the postseason tournament. I think this is a good matchup in the first round. This should be a, a cruising 3-0 win. I'm not very much not afraid to say that, even in single elimination territory. Well, if if we see. Uh, a non Marquette team in the second, I would lump that into the into the same category there. That would solve a lot of problems. <laughs> yeah, Ball State uh, would yeah. be that team, and just to cover them a little bit, and then we'll hit Marquette later. Um, like I said, sixty third in Viper resume ranking wise, sixty third as as well. Uh, they didn't pass either the test that Husker Geek has available. Um, their strength of record is sixty first. They finished the season 24 and eight, uh, winless against quadrant one, 15 and six versus quadrant two, uh, undefeated versus quadrants three and four. So a bit of a mixed bag at the bottom part of this bracket, but I think Marquette is really the, uh, the top line story. Wouldn't you say? Yeah. And, and they're number 14 in the RPI. Uh, so somebody's numbers likes them. Uh, at least they did beat Kentucky, uh, another hosting team in five sets on the road. Uh, yikes. Uh, they lost at Wisconsin in front of 7,000 people. So, you know, probably understandable, uh, beat Loyola. That's a, that's a tournament team, uh, went over LSU, Illinois, um, trying to see if anything else jumps out at me. Uh, so Illinois would be a, a common opponent there. Uh, and then, yeah, big, big East schedule after that. So not, uh, not anything too shabby. They did lose to Creighton in the big East, uh, championship. I believe Creighton is hosting. I think they're a four seed. Uh, don't quote me on any of that, but that's, that's off the top of my head. Uh, just to go over Marquette's rankings here as well. 20th and Viper. That's it. That's different from what the rankings page says. That's weird. Um, 20th and Viper, 20th and resume ranking as well. 18th strength of record. Um, they are 27 and three, four and three versus quadrant one and undefeated versus the other quadrants. So uh, very, very good volleyball team here. The Husker Geek expanded test has them listed as a regional contender. That's where they are. Uh, they also have one third-team All-American for the Viper rankings in uh, Yadira Chante, uh, who leads the team with 24.4 win probability added in 101 sets played. So a lot of attacking power okay. there. Anything uh, else to talk about on the tournament field before we move on? Of note, Marquette in the last coaches ranking was the spot right behind us at 14th. Um, so yeah. we really just like – it was just – it was – in a sense, another coin flip in terms of who was hosting this as well. Um, we, we were right on the brink. These are very – us and Marquette are probably going to match up pretty well. This probably can go four or five sets. Um, and they can – they do – they're defensively good and they're offensively good. So the two things, we're good at everything too. So it'll it'll be a – it might be a nice little brawl there. Um, and then if we get out of it, we got Texas to look forward to, which will be um, 
that tier we have not reached and that we have not been able to beat either. So, Jack, speaking of Texas, can you tell us a little bit more about what the draw looks like outside of the Marquette Regional? So we're in the if you look if you go to, go to the NCA bracket on their on the NCA's website we're on the top we're in that top left bracket that Texas is on the top of they're playing Fairleigh Dickinson um, and they're they will play the winner of Towson or Georgia uh, on Friday and so there is a world where there is clean old fashioned hate round two in Austin Texas next in, in next weekend not this coming weekend but next weekend if things go remarkably fortunately. Um, which would definitely set up an easier path to success for us and line us up to play Ohio State again in the Elite Eight, possibly if they get over Minnesota. The uh, the the clean old fashioned hate redux is probably a best possible scenario. It really I, is. I, I it think. really is. Towson, um, yeah, they they won a lot of games, and so they they're they'll probably beat Georgia. Georgia did not seem like a competitive team when we played them earlier this year when I watched. Um, but Texas is just they're ridiculously good. Like they are beyond good like if they don't make the final that's that's an upset at this point um they're the texas did lose to nebraska in their own home gym last year and nebraska ended up going to the championship game so that is something to i nebraska guess keep an won. eye on no they got sorry they didn't wisconsin no wisconsin won, won. That's, right, that's right that's right um no. but it was an amazing amazing championship game so really looking won. forward to a really competitive tournament even outside of our bracket right like a lot of these games i mean all these will be on the espn family networks it's a very fun sport to watch. Like this is especially the time to watch watch it too. Yeah, Thursday. There's going to be a lot of matches Thursday afternoon. Um, it won't. The top seeds don't play until later that evening. Um, pretty much universally across the whole tournament. As I'm looking at the times, um, but no. If you can get just get some time with this tournament, it'll be it'll be worth your while because it, this is the 64. This is pretty close to the 64 best teams. Um, Did we? A lot of these players are on, the, on these top teams are just remarkable athletes. Uh, did we get a reading on whether there will be a whip around show for this, like there is for the baseball regional weekend? I or? do not know. Um, that can be a later thing we add in some write up that I do. That would be delightful if they did, but we'll see. There are games running from four o'clock till midnight plus on Thursday, so they certainly would have the the games to do it with if they so chose um the first game that starts is te- purdue and tennessee on or no that's sorry that's that's on friday sorry uh on thursday there's four thirty games i want to say um yes western kentucky bowling green there you go so i think there will be i'm not entirely sure though i've ended up on a on volleyballmag.com uh to uh to find this out but i guess we'll find out uh this weekend and we'll find out more about georgia tech sports including women's and men's basketball right after this short break yes as always our short break is brought to you by section 103 section 103 is georgia tech's leading place to find the ATL logo and a ton of other really high quality products, including a lot of stuff in gold and now uh, some long sleeve stuff in white. Uh, the new Ramblin' Rex script looks great um, through tomorrow. You can get 20% off all of your orders. And there's also not just gold Felice Bobby Dodd, but Navy Felice Bobby Dodd as well. So if you missed out on that last year, 
go ahead and give them uh, a look over there. They make great stuff and are great, uh, great representatives of uh, all the great stuff that we got going on here at Georgia Tech and in the Georgia Tech family. Uh, we love Section 103, and we hope you do too. As always, free shipping on orders over 70 bucks. All right, welcome back to Scions of the Southland. Women's basketball was at one of those interesting little early season tournaments this past week. <sighs> Mr. Purdy, do you want to walk us through their performance? I will do as best I can, considering uh, no one on earth probably watched these games that weren't already in the building because it was on some paid subscription thing called Blue Hoops, and so I did not have access to any video whatsoever what i do know though is that tony morgan scored 17 in our loss to usf to start the gulf coast so showcase we lost 63 to 50 um usf killed us at the free throw line which is usually the great way to beat georgia tech in any basketball related sport um and then we yep. played air force the next day we won that game 65 to 59 tony again had a good game her and bianca jackson combined for 26 um, and then Maria Hermosa got to nine points, which is good. Caleb Blackshear got to eight, um, and actually won the rebounding battle, believe it or not, uh, which has been, which is the massive pain point these last couple of games. Um, so, and also outscored the Air Force in the paint. So my guess, and I have no, is that Air Force just was not, either was undersized, remarkably undersized compared to us, or just didn't have rebounding or we fixed our rebounding. Um, we weren't able to watch these games. So I'm taking this off of the press releases. Uh, and some and the basic stats here because there, there, there was no video but the real promising thing is that today um during uh during all of our various footballs american and international uh and what was say let's say sunday uh and the nfl uh tech beat did beat belmont 58 52 which is huge bianca jackson scored 24 points and we play them next week in belmont or at belmont uh, so this was the fact we won this game is massive because that shows they learned something this weekend or Belmont got bad. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Belmont's a good school. Belmont's a good program. Belmont worked women's basketball last last year. I remember sitting in, in, in sitting in the arena for that game, and that uh, was not a particularly comfortable, uh, you know, wire to wire win. I feel like it's just weird to play them twice in a week. Like maybe it's because of um, just how they originally had it listed on the schedule. I thought we were only playing two games at the Gulf Coast Showcase, honestly. No, uh, so I was a little you, bit surprised. Third game and all these things. So a little was, bit surprised, but de facto third placer. Also, hot not not really a hot take, but just an observation. Um, the Hertz Arena. Seems like a much nicer venue than some of these men's and especially women's tournaments we've seen around the country uh, this weekend. There, there are some real uh, places that just do not look fit to to host some of these events. So I, I hope they had a nice time down in Estero. Odd that we're playing Belmont twice in a week, but but other than that, like I don't know, would have been nice to have it on on a mainline TV network. But two and one ain't ain't so bad. Yeah, no, two and one is I think is great, I, much better considering just how flat we looked in the last game at home um and in auburn as well um i will note against belmont uh hermosa only played six minutes six minutes and 48 seconds um the press release didn't say if she's hurt or whatever um but so that's something to look out for she didn't attempt a shot only had a rebound 
Um, she was a minus 11 in those six minutes, though. So uh, something clearly needed to change in that. Tech only shot 30% the entire game and still won. Uh, Belmont then also shot 31%. Um, it was pretty much the Bianca Jackson and Cam Swartz show. Uh, they combined made 12 of 13 free throws, um, believe it or not. So with the things we needed to clean up on, we did. Um, and then rebounding-wise, we out-rebounded them by six. Uh, so figuring it out, Kara Dunn played a lot of minutes. Aisha Wona Aronaut played a lot of minutes. Oh, I'm seeing here. She played 27 minutes. Um, and she adds to our height and might be a little bit more physical than Nerea, so that might be why Nerea didn't play as much. I don't know. Uh, so that's just that's what's there. Um, Belmont played their whole team, it looks like. Um, they had a Madison Bartley scored 22, so that'll be something to look out for next game. Um, yep. Yeah, Aisha Wona Aronaut was our best plus minus at, thir- at plus 13 on the team. Uh, so she was cleaning up on the boards, apparently. That might be the change that's happened, um, which could be something that happened because uh, at the last press conference that Coach Fortner had with us, she was, we Rod McKenzie asked about, are the rotations set at all? Like, where are you on this? And she's like, yeah, nothing's set yet. Um, so having back-to-back-to-back games was an incredible learn. I can definitely say it was an incredible learning experience for them to figure out what their best identity is because they got immediate feedback in a very short amount of time, um, which... Yep. they really really needed and I, that probably saved them some future headaches especially as we go to Michigan State this week for the Big Ten ACC Challenge yeah and that'll be, that'll be a game that'll teach us stuff too so should make for an interesting uh, an interesting week I do not know for the life of me why I just closed ramblingrec.com because I did want to say um, the channel that that is on uh, because that is important for those who are missing out um, Big that... Ten Network yeah uh, so hey, at least you, at least you can get that one. At least you can get that one, and it's not like freaking Pac-12 California or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Slow hoops, TM. <laughs> so Thursday night will be a lovely double double feature between simultaneous volleyball and women's basketball. Yep. Uh, of note, uh, for people who are around, I believe the next home game is not for some time because of that. Yeah. Uh, I will pull that up just because I know people are probably. Itching Sunday, to get December back in the mix 11. there. Sunday, December cool. 11 versus Central Michigan Chippewas. Ah, second of the home and home. I was going to say, we're repaying that that delightful visit to. That delightful. Oh, your, your microphone cut out, but that delightful 60 to 30, whatever killing we did up there. So, um, yeah, that's where that is where we're at. Um, anything else, Akshay, while Jake's microphone continues to not work? Uh, I don't have anything on this. I, it's, I, I will say just to clarify the difference in the dates for the next home game, um, because Thursday's game is on the 1st of December. You account for finals week, which is next week on campus. So, you know, that's why you're not playing again for, for 10 days, but, uh, they have 10 days between a fixture versus Michigan state and a fixture versus, uh, Central Michigan to, I mean, well, the Belmont the, game's nope. doing that. Yeah, Belmont's in there too. They have uh, X number of days in between Belmont and the Central Michigan game to do the academics part. And maybe, like, maybe the coaches also evaluate some of the data that they saw from Estero and also from Michigan State. Um, and they make some tweaks heading into or as we start heading towards ACC season. Uh, Jake, you get the final word before we head over to men's basketball. 
Yeah, one more note is that the game after the Central Michigan game is at Boston College. Uh, that'll also be on a Sunday. So uh, Central Michigan being the stay somewhat in tune during a, a long finals break, that's probably the right way to uh, to do that uh, with the with the home game during during busy time on campus. So a uh, little light on on women's basketball after this week, but um, they'll they'll be in full force after after that BC game really for about three months straight. So there there's a lot coming down the pipe. Let's pivot over to men's basketball. Uh, I don't know which one of you wrote this, but you had very strong feelings. And so I, I think that this reads like Jake. So I want to kick it over to him to see what, see exactly, you know, let's have a therapy session here. Oh, this, this was me. Um, I was watching this game uh, on a, on a train uh, as, as that's probably been the theme. I think I said that about volleyball too, but um Let's just say that the Utah loss in particular was very emblematic of not just what we've seen from this team so far, but a lot of the last, uh, we'll call it era uh, of of Georgia Tech basketball. Um, It seems totally preventable given that Georgia Tech uh, went, I believe, the first seven minutes or six minutes without scoring a field goal and the last six or seven as well. So instead of the traditional third quarter nap, uh, they just didn't play the the the, the ending and beginning, I guess, total third uh, of the game. In, in the period where Georgia Tech was scoring, they did outscore Utah by about 24, 25 points. Uh, I forget the exact math. Uh, I just see red when I think about this, um, you know, it, it it feels preventable. Uh, that's not a lot of analysis. That's a lot of emotions. So uh, if one of you guys wants to say something smarter than that, go right ahead. And then then the Marquette game was just a classic, uh, you know, boat race type situation. I have no thoughts on this other than the Utah game was entirely winnable if Tech could make free throws, which again, anything, if they serious anything. problem. <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's it's not it's not amazing. I watched most of this Utah game. Um, the other two games I didn't watch. Um, but I guess a, a big thing here. Who was the? Who am I thinking of? Um, shoot, the guy Rodney Howard's backup. Um, yep, um, Javon Franklin. Javon Franklin. Yeah, I mean that. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Is like, okay, no, he's kind of a guy here. And then he started the he started the Marquette game, correct? Yeah, um, I think so. so. Yeah, at least we've. That's cool that we've found. A feasible other big man in the in the loop that we can use which is nice um well in, in that marquette game he started with six for nine from the floor uh and five of six from the line 14 total rebounds drew four fouls which is yep. more than the three he committed to yep. assist a steal and two blocks that's pretty darn good granted his his plus minus was pretty low but he also played 35 minutes and yeah in a, played, in a game tech a lot lost by 24 yeah yeah got yeah got outmatched um so i mean it's that i mean the plus minus, I don't think, is a is not not a stat that's going to teach you much in that game. Um, no. Bench points was bet wasn't great in that game. Only fifteen of our only fifteen bench points. Um, so really having to count on the starters to carry us on the second part of a, or the second of three games in a row, uh, or is that yeah second of three games in a row? Because um, we played Wednesday. Oh, we had a few days before the North Alabama game. Sorry, um, it was not like the women's situation. So, uh, yeah, I mean. It's it's just I mean I I do I do want to acknowledge also that like people are not uh, people are wondering where where Pastner's how much lifeline he's got left as well um, losses like that Utah loss aren't good in terms of holding that up 
of course the money situation is a whole another thing factor i don't want to go into that right now um but I, this next stretch of games is going to be crucial just to be like the Iowa Northeastern to be like, all right, what do we got? And, and Georgia as well before we get into ACC play of like, okay, do we do we have something to, to work off of this year or is it just going to be a lot of last year again where it's just like, all right, you're showing up for more for the fun of it unless because of the result. Yeah, I, I don't uh, want to do well, – well, before you go, I don't want to do what we did for our softball preview last year where we – not so well we had a couple of questions actually a bunch of questions about how morales's job i'm i'm gonna put it at we had a bunch of questions about eileen morales's job status heading into that year and then she completely dunked on us from the free throw line to use a basketball pun um i don't want to have that discourse but i also think it wouldn't be it would be pretty safe to have it in this case if you get my meaning akshay you are mr negging works uh and it worked on softball so uh i i, I love passer I, I think he's a great soundbite guy uh, i think his he's got great energy um as a person i love him it, it, it's great it's delightful um I, I think we learned a lot this week um one score points it's important um but also you know if if it takes a clunker loss or two to realize you know you know this is this is where we're at this is what we need hey javon franklin seems like a pretty good answer up the middle even though you know he's he doesn't come in listed as a traditional center uh in, in any of the box scores or things like that he's he, he lists as a forward um when he starts you know kind of emblematic of tech having having a smaller lineup, but that's something I think we, we, we knew coming into the year. Um, again, this is still young and a learning team. Davon Smith looks, looks much improved. There, there's a lot to work with. I think is what I want to get at here. Uh, the team's been somewhat unlucky, maybe a little bit better shot selection, but hearing how passengers talking in the post game interviews, it, it seems like it's, you know, he's noticing these things too. Uh, and clearly he's, you know, reacting enough uh, to, to to make the change, particularly with Franklin. I think tying this into the North Alabama game uh, is also important, given that they started uh, Franklin again, uh, Davon Smith, Miles Kelly got a start, Debo Coleman and Jalen Moore. Uh, honestly, that's kind of the the lineup that I've been that's the hoping that's, for. That Those are the know, guys that, this year. That's just it. <laughs> yeah. And, and Jalen Moore is a guy that um, for, for all we've heard from, from Passner, uh, from from the team, uh, from you know just how he's come up over the last year since he's he's joined the program. Like that's that's a guy you want to see on the floor more. And the fact that yeah, granted it's North Alabama, but like hey, Louisville and Florida State, Syracuse, they're not looking like world beaters. There's wins out there in the ACC. Um, uh, obviously that hurts the RPI a little bit, but we, we don't have to get too far in the weeds there until the time comes. But all that to say, more Coleman kelly those were the three guys that not that they were pitched to be a one-for-one devoe alvarado right uh per se but those are three young guys who came up in the program you know we we got a transfer big man in, in terms of franklin a la james banks maybe they make something something work and and really that that postseason band team in 2019-2020 you know they, they that was a fun team to watch and I don't know. I, I just want them to see, be a fun team to watch, and uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, I, I think, at least with the sign that Franklin is starting consistently, 
you know, we'll, we'll see that on Tuesday, what happens in Iowa city. Um, but, uh, if we see a pretty similar starting lineup, that, that, that Kelly Smith, Coleman, Moore, uh, Franklin combined for 28, 38, 48, 55, 59 points against North Alabama. Hey, I'll take that production every night from our starters. One note on the Iowa thing. Uh, I originally thought this was the women's basketball ACC Big Ten Challenge, and I had a very deep sense of fear that Caitlin Clark was going to run all over this team. Uh, but I'm thankful it's the men's basketball side and that uh, Luca Garza has since graduated to, I guess, the G League. I don't know. I don't, I don't really follow college <laughs> basketball all that well. <laughs> Hey, that man was in school for a long, long time. I will tell you that. Um, in terms of their, uh, it, it's fitting to talk about them now. In terms of their results so far, they are five and one. Um, that loss was in their most recent game. Uh, three and zero oh at home, one and zero oh on the road, and one and one in neutral site games. They played Truman State in exhibition, uh, Bethune Cookman, North Carolina A and T, Seton Hall, um, Omaha, uh, Clemson. That was a close game, 74-71. And then their most recent game was uh, against TCU in Niceville, Florida. Um, don't know what they were doing in Niceville, but um, that was a 79-66 loss to TCU. And again, they played Clemson close. And those are really the only two big teams they've played. And I feel pretty confident uh, in, in saying that. They do appear to be ranked number 25 uh, if the number 25 next to their logo on their own website is anywhere near accurate source literally us the team that's ranked 25 yep <laughs> the game so will that be is... either espn2 or espnu by the way uh just to round that out and that is tuesday at 9 p.m eastern so i guess uh well i guess we're not recording this on a monday for one so that's approximately 48 hours from now gentlemen any other notes on either of the basketball teams before we move forward? Yeah, I got one. Um, the game against Marquette does not make me super pumped to potentially see them again in a different sport later this week. So, uh, you know what? Vibes. Vi the vibes. vibes. They are meh. <laughs> the, um, the, the basketball. But, but still go to the games. Still yeah. go to the games. Still go to the games. Still go to the games. Uh, Friday night uh, will be against Northeastern at home. Hopefully we're coming off uh, coming off a win. That would be pretty big. But so far, I think we're kind of more or less in, in line to be right about where we right about where we expected. Maybe maybe one or two losses different. But hey, that's it's a long season, guys. You, you can't define it off of two losses in the first six games. So Fair enough. Uh, not a lot to talk about on the ACC tasting menu this week. Just the one game, the ACC Conference Championship in uh, in Charlotte, North Carolina. Mr. Grant, I'll go to you first. Let's talk Clemson versus UNC. I don't remember what the line was, and I am going to look it up now while you give a pick. I... I think this game's kind of sicko at this point, but uh, up in Charlotte, I think UNC has pretty much shown themselves to be frauds. Um, sorry, that's just how it is. I don't think Clemson's all that great, but I'm pretty confident that they're better than UNC. As long as that line's within 10 or so points, I'd, I'd probably still pick Clemson. I, I think they'll they'll handle them. 
but Jack, before you go, Clemson versus North Carolina. Line is Clemson uh, by eight over under 61 and a half. Also learned that Subway now sponsors the ACC championship. So make of that what you will for an 8 p.m. kickoff on ABC. Mr. Purdy, you're up. This is almost unwatchable for me, honestly. I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. It's unwatchable to... for normal human beings. It really is. I, I'm not going to watch this game, I think. Um, we'll see as what that evening presents. Um, and then another dinner party, probably. No, I'll actually be in Wisconsin during this game. So probably not another dinner party. Um, don't find me in Wisconsin people. I didn't invite you to Wisconsin with me. A, a supper um, club party. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Um, hopefully tasting some cheese curds. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah. Clemson wins. I, I pretty easily. Um, and no, no, don't watch this game. Don't watch the ACC. Let it live in its shame. Uh, speaking of other things that should live in shame, sicko games, sicko picks of the week. Mr. Grant, you are up first. Yeah, I, I put UCF Tulane on this simply because I I don't know how to feel about this. Um, we did see one of these teams this year. We may be getting up close and, and personal with the coach of another. Who knows? Um, but uh, I, I do know that the angry green wave uh, that people have memed back into relevance is fun. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, that's that, there, there's not a lot to go from here uh, unless you want to pick like some oddball Mac games. And, and this seems... This seemed the most interesting. I, I, I'm picking Tulane. Uh, they're at home. This means a lot to them. That's a tough place to win. So, uh, yeah, that's that's my call. I'm personally offended by you saying, oh, unless you pick some oddball Mac game. Because I picked Toledo versus Ohio. Uh, mostly because <laughs> – mostly, mostly. Um, can either of you tell me a single thing about Toledo or Ohio? Where is it? Where's the one we got Zach Gibson from? Is that Akron? That might be Akron. Akron. That's Akron. We, we, did we get Edwin Harrison from Toledo? Maybe, I think we might have gotten Edwin Harrison from Toledo. That 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 makes sense. You went head. from you went from football current football quarterback to nineteen what nineteen sixties institute president in like four words. That's the sign of the Southland difference, you know, tying Maction after dark to leaving the SEC. Oh God! Wow. Um, I don't have Mr. Purdy, did you pick a game? I'm. I don't. I did not. But I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna note out some weird uniform matchups here. We have the all purple game in TCU Kansas State. Who's what team? You won't be able to tell unless TCU wears the right helmet. Uh, North Texas UT UT San Antonio could be weird in terms of bright green and some orange stuff going on there. Uh, Coastal Carolina and Troy. I. He got the I mean, coastal games are always weird because of their shaded green and blue. Uh, and then Purdue, Michigan is just going to be a yellow haze. <laughs> that's a home game for Purdue. Yeah, that's true. home game. <laughs> Purdue. This is our freeway riddled city. Rar trains. Yes. A train goes a rar. Thank you, Mr. Train expert. I think I think that about wraps it up for us this week. Uh, anyone else have any final news notes to get to? I'm seeing blank stairs, which means it's time to go home. Mr. Grant, take us away. It feels almost dirty for me to be plugging the Instagram and Facebook, given that that is completely Jack's doing. Uh, but go ahead and follow us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, if you're new, uh, 
we do not usually plug those, but uh, we're we're bringing them back. Who knows how much longer uh, the Bird app will will, will be around? But uh, you can follow us there too while we're still around. Uh, Facebook, you can find us from the Rumble Seat. Instagram, that's at from the Rumble Seat. Twitter at FTRS Blog. Um, you can find me and Jack as uh, as well on Twitter. That's at jgrant ninety eight at Jack Nicholas. I almost called you Jake. It's a great name. I'm sorry. Uh, you can also find Section 103 on Twitter. Uh, that's at Section 103 and also Section103.com. Uh, go check them out. Again, Gold Friday through the end of the 28th. Uh, you can email us from the Rumble Seat at gmail.com. We appreciate your comments, uh, suggestions, questions. It helps us shape what we do here. And, uh, you know, all those topics uh, and, and all that do uh, do matter, especially in the off-season. It's a long off-season. Uh, you can find us also at the website from rumbleseat.com. This will get posted there with an article where you can comment as well as comment on all of our other uh, content as well. Go ahead and check it out. Uh, they all do wonderful jobs. Uh, you can find this podcast wherever fine podcasts are distributed. Like, uh, subscribe, follow a uh, you know, all, all that good stuff. We really appreciate it. And uh, tell your friends, uh, word of mouth is super powerful. With that, who knows where this week will take us. Not us quite yet. Tune in next week for all the results and all of the wheels of Georgia Tech that never stop spinning. Good night, good luck. Go Jackets. Oh,